Hello, welcome one and all to the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 43, and it's a special, special week. And we are special, special people. And today is a special, special day. My friends, relatives, strangers, aliens, and everything in between, in Gotham City today we are celebrating Batman Day. So, how are you celebrating yours? Are you seeing the lights in New York? Are you in one of the other countries that's celebrating the day by shining a bat signal into the sky? Or are you just picking up a stash of comic books and enjoying it that way? Movie marathon? Animated series marathon? You tell us. We want to hear from you. How did you celebrate Batman Day? Well, I'm here with two fellow Batman fans and DC Comics News specialists. First of all, we have Brad. How the devil are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Um, it's Batman Day. I'm happy. <laughs> Seth, how are you, my friend? I'm happy to be in the company of people where something like Batman Day doesn't need much more explanation than it's a great celebration about all things we love about Batman. And saying it amongst a group of people where that's all the explanation you need, that's a really good time for me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. And not only is it Batman Day, it's also, of course, News Day. We have tons and tons to cover this week. And funnily enough, by strange coincidence and happenstance, our first piece of news is Batman related. And I'm really glad we have Brad on the show because he's our resident uh, video game expert. Fortnite X Batman has officially launched. Brad, what are your thoughts on this amazing story? Uh, I think it's a very cool idea, even though I have to admit uh, I'm not much of a Fortnite player. I think uh, I, I still think it's a cool concept. I think that Batman fans and Fortnite fans will find a lot to enjoy. I really like the idea that they have the tilted town being skinned to look like uh, Gotham City. I think that was a really cool idea. And who doesn't like the idea of using batarangs and grapple guns and things like that in Fortnite? So I think it's going to bring a lot of enjoyment to uh, to fans for sure. Seth, what do you think? Well, I I only know of Fortnite because it seems like everywhere in sports and sort of the media realms, Fortnite dances and other sorts of information related to that were occurring enough that i went all right say what now and i knew of the game because i work with a a really great game company but we're in more of the strategy card game side so fortnite's something that i'm aware of but never really engaged with but man just from that quick little 25 second trailer video they showed i would want to play fortnite just to be batman in that moment tossing the batarang, maybe getting to pick to be other characters. I mean, the the idea of, you know, stepping into the costume of some of our favorites beyond Batman, which I really think I'd love the Batman part and then I just want to do more. But boy, I suddenly have this feeling like I want to play a video game. Steve, what was your take? Exactly the same. You all know that I'm not a the biggest video game player and I've not played in years. But as soon as you get the opportunity to, to put on that cowl and toss a batarang and drive a Batmobile, I'm just so tempted to pick up the controller or go online and, and join in that it's just fascinating. And, and Brad, like you said, seeing 
the Gotham landscape ahead of you and, and that kind of magic. It's really, really cool. So Fortnite's huge. I mean, I, I again, have never played it, but I know that it's got a massive cult following because it's a relatively easy game to get hold of. And I believe it's a free download. Um, yes, it is. It's, it's got to have a huge, huge fan base. And, and adding Batman to that, hey, that's just win-win for Batman fans and video game fans alike. So nice job, Fortnite folk. And sticking with the Batman news, and this is one that's got me incredibly excited. We've talked before in weeks past about Insight Editions and the amazingly beautiful books they produce. Um, you lucky folk who are going to be at NYCC will have the book early. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my uh, review copy from Insight in the next few days. But Brad, um, are you excited about this, this book? Because I, I am salivating. I, I am excited about it. and I'm excited because i am going to be at uh, new york comic-con so i'm definitely going to i know out this, i'm so I'm jealous check out this booth for sure and i love that they uh they're selling it early i mean i, I wish i had unlimited income <laughs> because i would definitely pick one up um i mean but that's the thing about comic-con too you know you just wish you just had so much money when you go on the, the on the show floor because there's just so much cool stuff to see and and to pick up, but I think that this this Inside Edition is going to really really stand out. So I'm definitely going to check out this booth. Seth, what do you think? I think it's such a smart moment. I think, you know, in so many ways, that one of the references that's made is that a, another name for New York City is Gotham, and that there's this great opportunity to take advantage of the excitement that's building towards the upcoming Joker movie, and also the fact that. This is a book that comes from a company with, you know, as Steve pointed out, a really impressive reputation for gorgeous publications and offering it as this early value for those who are attending Comic-Con in New York just gives this exclusive feeling that if you took the time to invest in Comic-Con already, this is your reward. You know, you have this chance to get a hold of something not everyone will, and it's because of your desire to be at the Comic-Con already. Your reward is that it's going to be there, and as you mentioned, Brad, should uh, you have indisposable income, of course, you can scoop it right up and then maybe drop whatever is necessary to get a signing with, uh, who is it? They've got Farrago and uh, an illustrator. I mean, I guess the idea is how much do you want to spend to take home what, according to this, looks like a 60-pound book? I mean, I've seen a few negotiations occur over some pretty valuable things. This one could get pretty messy. Steve, what was your take? Um, not only is it 60 pounds in weight, it's about 60 pounds in cash money as well. And uh, indisposable income. Yep, I, I, I'm feeling you guys. But listen, I think this book is going to be worth every single penny and every single ounce of muscle power it takes to hold it up. Um just from the previews alone, from chatting to the publishers at Insight, who I'm speaking to almost on a weekly basis because I'm trying to get some news out for them. We've got a press release from going up on the Dark Knight News site tomorrow. This book, honestly, I'm drooling. I need this book in my life. And um, 
yeah, I cannot wait for it to hit my mat and come through my post box in the next few days because I'm going to be writing that review. Whether I'm on a plane, um, on the moon, wherever I am, I am going to be writing this review and reading this book until the cows come home. And I think I'll probably buy a second copy because I'm going to wear out the free one. That's how excited I am. I cannot wait. And um, Brad, you know, the money thing, I had money once. 1992, I think it was. <laughs> Swiftly moving on, let's go to the movie news. And we have uh, more information on this loaded cast movie that is The Suicide Squad. And everyone was expecting it to start filming next week, but apparently James Gunn has confirmed filming has started already. Bradley, um, my friend, what do you make of that news? makes me wonder what they were filming without letting people know if if they were you know if they said hey filming's going to start this week but they started a week earlier maybe they're trying to film something kind of secret and a surprise that's going to be in the movie so that would be interesting but uh, you know at the end of the day I, I just i love that this production's moving forward and we're getting even closer to actually seeing this brought to the screen because i think it's going to um so far, I think it's going to blow everyone away when it does come out. I think it's going to really, especially blow the first Suicide Squad movie out of the water. So uh, I'm happy to see this production definitely moving forward. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I really like the intrigue that this movie filmed without us knowing and that there might be some kind of added value if they got the chance to maybe capture a scene without the people who were involved in it, the kind of awareness of the importance might have known a, a project was filming, but not known it was this project. I'm just curious to see how that value can play out for the movie on screen. And if it doesn't, then I just like the idea that this is an announcement about, hey, we surprised you by starting early. Isn't it better than hearing about a project starting later? Steve, what was your take? Don't get me started on the things coming late. We'll have enough of that later on in the show. Uh, but yes, starting early means, well, uh, uh, what Brad said, secrecy. The fact that they started filming without anyone knowing and days, if not about a whole week before anyone thought they would, means that they're filming something they're keeping under wraps. They're filming something that's secret. And that excites the bejesus enemy. So, um as soon as I heard James Gunn was tied to this project, I was excited. I got happy. So with this kind of news, yeah, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And tied to that, uh, a certain Margot Robbie, who plays a lovely lady named of Harley Quinn. Um, so they've confirmed that the reshoots, the stunt shoots and everything else for Birds of Prey have drawn to a close. So maybe she's actually been on set, hence the secrecy for the suicide squad so what do you make of the news that uh the sui the sorry the birds of prey movie reshoots have drawn to a close do you think that's that's why they started early on suicide squad brad uh it could be i mean that's definitely uh, definitely a possibility and uh just as far as the reshoots go I, I go back to what i said before and just that it's it's great to see that means we're that one step closer to seeing it actually on screen which is good and uh and the Hopefully we'll see an even more expanded trailer with more footage than we've seen so far uh, very soon. So uh, I'm excited about that uh, prospect as, as well. 
And uh, I got to hand it to Margot Robbie. She really loves the character and has really brought the character to life in a way that I didn't think would happen when the first Suicide Squad came out. Um, you know, I thought the her look was a little too not uh, different than what we are normally associate with Harley Quinn. But now her portrayal has become just as iconic and I and I and I think that's really cool. So, you know, I just I love the energy that she brings to the character. So uh, I'm happy the reshoots are done and I'm ready to see the movie. Seth, what do you think? Well, I, I really like the uh, the setup you gave us for uh, there, Steve. And I, I think it's really important to keep in mind that Birds of Prey wrapped up their reshoots. And then right afterwards, or in close connection to, is the announcement that Suicide Squad started filming early. I'm also intrigued, though, that this this reshoot appears to, according to these images, just be about this transfer from Huntress's motorcycle to the car. And if that's all they had left to do for that final one, it sounds like they were really on top of things, that maybe there was just a minor tech thing going on or something like that. And they said, hey, let's just reshoot that one real quick. And then we're done and everything's perfect. Because for them to finish up this way and to be able to move right into Suicide Squad early is just a, a benefit of cooperation, coordination, and it sounds like professionalism. But also it, it really just brings to mind the fact that when I was talking with my wife today about what we were going to be discussing on the show, she said to me, wait a minute, how is it that Birds of Prey is going to feature, you know, Harley Quinn? She's a bad guy. And I said, well, that's what we're looking forward to being her character's journey. And I love that these two stories are coming close, closely together because I feel like they're going to be talking about the Harley Quinn that we've seen and the Harley Quinn we will get to see in these two upcoming projects and the growth and development that really can mean for her character on screen and for who we get to see, you know, as audience members, fans who've witnessed, as Brad pointed out really well, her embrace this character and make her portrayal as iconic as perhaps her first appearance on Batman the Animated Series. However, curious to hear about Steve's take on everything I and Brad just said. Well, I have to agree with with many, many, many comments you've both made, Brad. Absolutely. Margot clearly loves this character and is invested in her. And Seth, I'll give your wife a huge hug from me because that's exactly the kind of response I want to hear. Wait, isn't Harley a bad guy? Because that's the way she's been introduced in the movies. And that's the way she was introduced in the in the TV and uh, the animated series. But as comics readers, we all know that it's been a fair old while since she's been a villain in comics. She's far more anti-hero, boring on full-blown hero these days. And uh, Sam Humphrey's work on her ongoing title has, has, has made her one of the most sympathetic, lovable, still crazy as all get-out characters. But she's made a huge change in transition. I mean, character development, I can think of very few characters who can match her in comics over the last decades so the fact that they made that transition in the movies too can only lead to bigger and better things for the character bigger and better things for margot robbie and it's going to be great having one more or two more dc movies that i can point to people who say oh, dc movies are all washed up they, they don't know what they're doing after the huge success of wonder woman 
Aquaman and Shazam. And the way that Joker seems to be blowing the world up right now, it's going to be one more in in feather in the cap of DC fans, I think. So, yeah, great. Looking forward to it. And um, speaking of a, a certain clown prince of crime, uh, this new poster for the IMAX release of, of Joker with a city in flames has got me literally again drooling this film was a film i didn't know i wanted uh, a film i wasn't even sure i did want i thought what another joker uh, a joker movie on his own is this going to work but every single thing that's come out about it has changed my mind and i'm sure you guys feel the same brad what do you think of this stunning but scary new poster I love the fire, the kind of the chaos of it, how it's kind of illuminating him behind uh, behind him, and it has that kind of gritty taxi driver '70s vibe too. Uh, I just love it. Um, I it's been very very long since I've had such high expectations for a movie, and everything. And I've said this before. Everything seems to be. Uh, heading towards the fact that that's I'm not going to be let down when I go to see it. So I'm just, you know, just can't wait. Just can't wait. I wish I could just I would get off this podcast right now, hop onto a bus and go into the city and see see it right now if I could. <laughs> so I'm I'm really, really excited for it. And this poster just just highlights exactly why. So I'm with you. you think. Yeah. Uh, my take is that so far, almost all of the imagery we've seen has shown the effect of the transformation on the man and that this poster shows that transformation as it impacts the city where he lives. And clearly there's more to this movie than just the man who gets changed and what he becomes. It's also about what he does and there are hints of it in the trailer about others wearing masks and saying we're all clowns and taking up his ideology or using his image to express themselves but here we see that there's going to be a great deal about this movie that is going to touch on what he does after his transformation has either been begun or completed and that, from what it looks like, a city's going to burn. Steve, give us some thoughts from you, my friend. Some men, Master Wayne, just want to see the world burn. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this poster. And, pardon the pun, it's hot. Um, Jack Nicholson said um, it's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. And Mr. Phoenix is following on perfectly to that it's like i think we're going to be getting a v for vendetta in reverse rather than a man with a mask inspiring the world to rise against oppression this is a man with a mask inspiring the world to stand up and just go nuts and brad i'm with you if if i could go and see this movie right now i would but uh the 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 premiere it is screening at um, NYC, isn't it? At Comic Con. Well, n- not that I've heard. Uh, it's possible. Um, I- I'm trying to see if all the 
DC Comics news people that are going to Comic-Con would like to try to get together and at least go see it in the theater because it does open that weekend and that would be such oh, a that fun would be thing so to do, awesome. you know, uh, during Comic-Con weekend. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what everybody's schedule uh, looks like. Well, I'll be with you all in spirit. I, I, I wish I could be there in physically, but as you both know, I will be in New York next week, but uh, I'll be flying back the day before Comic-Con starts. Uh, Bless my rotten luck. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Staying with posters. It's um, <laughs> a complete <laughs> contrast to seeing the world burn. We're seeing a pretty lady with uh, lots of weird flying people fluttering by her noggin. Uh, Brad, what do you make of this crazy, <laughs> crazy Birds of Prey poster? Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the comments I made previously about how iconic her betrayal has become. And I, this poster kind of demonstrates that. And another thing that stood out to me is it looks like Black Mask without his mask on. Uh, so that is interesting to me to see if that's going to be something that we see more in the movie, him without the mask, and maybe towards the end he gets the mask, or how that's that's going to play out. But it's yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty fun uh, fun poster. I dig it. Seth, what do you think? I, I love the cartoon character who got bonked on the head and sees little Tweety birds flying around. So much of that feels like what you just said, Brad, the idea of how Margot Robbie has taken on this character and made it her own. And in doing so, how you get this sort of, what? I'm just in my head right now expression from her. And as she's making that expression, all of these characters we're going to get to witness and interact with an experience tweeting around her fluttering by becoming this sort of jarring adjustment to who she has been so far and showing the sort of i guess either shock or impact of that and clearly it's having a <clears throat> concussive effect but I like the idea. That, nice one. Thank you. I have moments, just mm-hmm. moments. And I, I like the idea that it's almost like it's going to be sort of a shock to her, something that's going to knock maybe her off of her regular path or, as the old saying goes, knock some sense into her. And in that process, we'll get to see that transformation. And also, uh, I think you brought up something really great, Brad, if we're getting to see her transformation, well, why can't we see the transformation of Black Mask? Steve, how about you, my friend? Exactly that. What what you both said, particularly with the Black Mask, we know that Roman Sionis initially just took to wearing that mask, which was carved from his father's funeral casket. But during a particularly vicious bout with Batman, he was caught in, in the wreckage of a burning building and the mask itself was burned onto its face. And that scarring was permanent and his entire face became a black mask. So if we get to see the redemption or the emancipation of a certain Harley Quinn, then perhaps we will see the downfall and the the, the sudden drop from social graces and the position of power amongst the, the mob to the insanity and crazy that we know that black mask then embraces. So it's going to be like a, a reverse mirror image of a show. And that's some 
brilliant storytelling right there and the fact that like you both said in the poster he's there clear and unmasked and Ewan McGregor he's, he's a fairly uh, easy on the eyes I think most ladies and, and, and people who like handsome men would agree uh, so it would be a waste to have him in a mask from start to finish uh, kudos to Hugo Weaving who played V in a mask for the whole film but uh, I couldn't do it as an actor or a uh, poor old uh, Judge Dredd always wearing that helmet. I'm not talking about the Stallone version. <laughs> I'm talking about the real Dredd film. Um, so, yeah, that's great for both of you. I, I agree. That we, if we could see the full story of Roman Sonis becoming not just a man wearing a black mask to becoming the black mask, then absolutely, I'm really on board for that. Uh, anything else to say about that poster, guys? No, I think we covered it. I think we did too. And on that note, that's the end of our breaking news and movie news. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the kettle on, get a couple of tea bags, let them brew for a couple of minutes while you wonderful folk have your ears dripped in the honey that is ads that will pay the bills and keep the lights switched on. We will return. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the spinner rack Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there everybody, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And we're back refreshed soothed and calmed with the healing leaves of the tea plant and we're coming back with tv and streaming news and boy is this news big fans of smallville rejoice tom welling and erica durance clark superman lois lane from smallville are confirmed to be appearing in the already stacked beyond belief cast for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover in the Arrowverse. This has got me hyped. Brad, how do you take this news? I I was a Smallville fan, for sure. So it's definitely going to be fun to revisit that world uh, and and just have those characters back, even, even for a little bit. And just all these characters that they're bringing back in this crossover has got me really really excited uh so i getting so excited that i am 
catching up on the flash now so i'm determined to be caught up by the time this next season debuts because it seems like they're laying a lot of groundwork for this crossover in the flash leading up to it so i'm trying to get all caught up and excited and i can't wait and i do love the idea of seeing these characters come back and tom welling hasn't done a lot in the acting sense since smallville so uh, it'll be nice to see him back on screen and erica durance well she's been in supergirl so she's you know she's close to the family so uh i, I you know i'm sure it'll be fun for her to revisit playing lois as well so yeah i'm just uh once again i'm, I'm very psyched for it seth what do you think really enjoy the fact that this is another great example of how the cw how the arrowverse has taken full advantage of what is a known history that exists within television especially for fans they they know these characters no matter what network they're on but no matter what show they're on and having them come back to new properties and in really intelligent inventive ways like this crisis story, which I mean, all the Superman that we're getting to have the versions of Superman is already just sort of really created this this fun atmosphere, you know, witnessing the different portrayals and having them, you know, basically using the history we already have, whether it's Tom Welling, whether it's uh, Brandon Routh, and then going from that into this great intricacy where you've got a character who was Lois Lane on one show and is now on Supergirl or has been on Supergirl. And <laughs> you have an opportunity to have that sort of fun for not only the audiences, but then the characters. Wait, but you look just like, and that was something that I thought the uh, Flash storylines did a great job with at times, uh, especially when it came to how they, they sort of played with our minds, whether it was... Uh, a version of a character as we saw them in the present or the sort of confusing ideas that sometimes the multiverse can put on these characters. So seeing this play out with such familiar faces should be a real treat for fans. And I think for those who have just enjoyed the different portrayals that we've seen over the years in great stories, we're going to be really kind of just taking in this, this great event that's pulling so many pieces together that I think without it, it really wouldn't be possible. And to add to Tom Welling getting back on the screen, well, I think he's uh, he's due, and fans are going to welcome his return. Steve, what was your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, completely agree. And it's just so clever, the way that they've been building up to this from the very beginning. As soon as we saw that newspaper in the early episodes of The Flash, uh, where it says flash disappears in crisis and red skies and and all that stuff and then that amazing reveal which i will re-watch and love forever of jay garrick being revealed to be john wesley ship and then just wesley ship appearing as the 1990s flash uh, in on earth 90 which i thought was absolutely brilliant and now the fact that we're going to be seeing tom welling and erica durant surprising the roles that for me I love them both it most in and this may shock some people and I don't care. I'm going to say Erica Durant is my favorite Lois Lane of all time there. I've said it and I mean it. She's my favorite Lois Lane and poor old Tom Welling. Yeah, he, he hasn't done much since Smallville, but um, if you go back and watch um, Lucifer season three, he was, 
Oh, I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it, but he, he plays a more dark, villainous role in that, and he is brilliant in it. So if you do want to see Tom Welling doing something completely not Superman, I recommend that show highly. But the fact we're going to be getting these two legends back on TV in the roles that made them famous yeah, I'm really happy about it. We've had the Smallville Farm. We've had the Luther House um, when uh, John Cryer took over the role as Lex in the last season of Supergirl. So bring back the originals. Looking forward to it. I really, really want to see it. And speaking of things I really, really want to see, um, I have now seen them. We have on set behind the scenes pictures of Brenton Thwaites in full Nightwing costume and Rose Wilson Ravager in as close to comic book accurate costume as I've ever seen. Uh, Brad, what do you think about these really cool behind the scenes pictures? Yeah, they look they look really cool. And this makes me want to kick myself that I have not been able to really um, dive into the first few episodes of the second season quite yet. That's something that I'm going to have to go and do uh, really quick. Um, but, yeah, yeah, these these pictures look fun. I like I like the costume designs. Connor's pants are looking all right. So <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think I think we're in for a, a good rest of uh, season two. <laughs> Seth, what do you think? Well, I really I'm going to say the first thing that came out for me was the moment when I'm looking at the pictures, and as I am, I think to myself, you know, you can actually see Nightwing's muscle definition in his back as he's turned away from the camera. This didn't look like it was a a padded suit or a suit that was designed to be heavily armored. This looked like the suit of someone who is so confident in their abilities that really there isn't much need for that much armor. And I, I thought that was a really great detail. I also thought it was interesting that they went with the more modern part of me, almost wanted as much as Corey's sort of early first season uh, super curly hair, which brought me back to her earliest introductions, to now the season two, which has seen some different cosmetic approaches. And if you haven't gotten into it, I'm not going to ruin that for you. It's just a change. But I wondered for a moment if we might see an early version of the Nightwing costume before seeing this more modern take. But the modern one, first glance, looks gorgeous. I love the Ravager approach. I love how true it seems to Hugh to the uh, original comic portrayals. And the only thing left for me now is to, one, see that episode, but two, hear what Mr. Steve J. Ray has to add. Uh, I, I got a little bit worried then when you said that you really see the muscle definition because I thought you were going to um, talk about Mr. Grayson's two most famous assets in the minds of many, many fans. And that's his cheeky friends, Jimmy and Juan. But we're not going to go down that road because this isn't that kind of a show. But uh, yes, the costume looks fantastic as does Ravagers. It's the modern Nightwing costume, not the disco Nightwing costume. Either way, I would have loved to have seen some kind of hint of that. And maybe they'll do a Doctor Who on us and you'll see him try lots of different looks and think, nah, uh-huh. 270s or something like that before he decides on the final one. Oh, collars? No. Oh, no. Too much chest hair. You know, I, I don't know, but maybe we'll finally see a little bit of an evolution before we see the final product. But either way, yeah, Nightwing 
on screen. You all know I'm a Batman fan. Happy Batman Day, everybody. Um, but also, uh, Dick Grayson is, to me, one of the few characters that's been seen to grow up and mature and develop in the pages of the comics. And to finally see that done on screen, too. Ah, great. I, I'm a happy, happy fan indeed. Speaking of happy, um, people who don't have the DC Universe app, uh, everyone in Europe and across the world that isn't in America, um, can look forward to Young Justice Outsiders heading for home video release very, very soon. Brad, what are your thoughts on this story? Oh, I think, once again, I, I anything that can get these shows in front of more people to see is a good thing. So I like that they are releasing these on uh, on Blu-ray, DVD, because um, some people don't have the DC Universe streaming service. It gives them the perfect opportunity to be able to uh, to watch it. And it gives collectors uh, something to hold on to rather than just have it exist on the streaming service. So, yeah, I, I, I like that these things are still getting released for the home video market. Seth, what do you think? I think that anytime we have an opportunity to take content that has been on DC Universe, but limited to DC Universe and can be shared with the wider audience, the greater the appeal is going to be to not only catch up on this content in the uh, in the form that it's being released to them publicly, but then also to become new subscribers to see what they're missing out on and consider. Wouldn't it be great if I could have seen this when it originally came out, each release week, each release episode, and to follow the story along with everyone else, which is some of the great things about having these episodic shows that we know they could just drop it all and we could just binge it and in, you know, 32 hours go, oh my God, that was amazing. That was awesome. That was perfect. But they know that we want to enjoy that great experience and that because we're doing, you know, this great exposure through this video release we have the chance to bring more people onto the app to expand its overall audience and i think through that expansion inform what new content would be appropriate to to bring in as many potential dc fans who thought maybe this wasn't something that would last that maybe there were just too many streaming services that they couldn't figure out which ones they were going to commit to but uh, an opportunity to catch this great show and see all the things they're missing out might be a reason to get them in. But lastly, for those who simply don't have the access to it, those in the European communities, those elsewhere, have an opportunity now to bring these great stories home and enjoy them and also maybe use them as sort of a little shout out to DC and say, we're ready when you are. We love this stuff. We love buying it, but we'll also enjoy it when you give us the app too. So we're here. We're ready. Steve, I have a feeling you're among them. Oh, yeah. And I love what you said, Brad, about having something physical to hold. Because while it's amazing and it's so incredible to me that you can literally turn on a device and watch virtually any show you want, any movie you want straight away and on demand. There's still that hit and miss factor of if you're on the move and have lousy signal, if you can't get onto Wi-Fi where you are, having that physical little disc where you can click open your tray, put it in, click play and watch it. 
um, is is great. I mean, my, my wife won't thank me for saying this because my home is already a cross between a public library and blockbusters. Um, having another little pretty thing that I can stick on my shelf amongst the rest of its DC relatives will always be something that I will like to do. Um, there are shows that I buy, shows that I collect, shows that I want to have physically. And I have to say it, every single show on the DC Universe app qualifies. Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Young Justice, give me a physical copy. Yes, please. And when you read the article and it says that the show has done extremely well and considerable viewing numbers, that again arrests my mind when you hear all these horrible rumours and negative fans saying that uh, the DC Universe's app is dead in the water, it's never going to happen, it's going to fold, this, that and the other. Well, booyah, Nina, Nina, to all of you, you're wrong. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, other TV news. Um, Brad, you're going to be as excited about this as I am, I think. That Damon Lindelof, uh, the man behind the Watchmen show, has finally broken radio silence and come out and said what it is they're doing. And kudos to us clever, clever reporter types working at DC Comics News. We called it, um, it's an expansion on the original Watchmen. So, Brad, what do you make of this fascinating news? Yeah, you know, I was tempted to read the whole uh, Entertainment Weekly interview, but then I decided that I want to be surprised. The hints that we got in this news story about how, you know, I get the impression that he really studied the source material and it's kind of really dear to his heart. And that um, that makes me feel very optimistic and it makes me want to be kind of surprised because we're a few weeks out from well, about a month, a month out from the the series debut. So now I'm just going to sit back and say, okay, impress me because uh, you know I'm such a Watchmen fan. Um, I, I'm just now in the mode where I want to be surprised, and I think we're in good, safe hands from reading uh, from reading this article. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought. I think I'm going to hold off on this EW article just for a little bit, maybe until the show started, maybe until I watch the entire series or until I've just seen so many episodes that I'm ready to see what other surprises there are. Because I agree with you, Brad, there was a part of me that was thinking, well, I love what I'm learning, but I also feel like what I've got is enough to get me more excited about the show, more interested about what it wants to show, and then I want to stop. And what we do learn from this article, and I think the most important thing is when it starts out by saying we treat the original 12 issues as canon. But then he goes in and says, but we haven't done any revisionist history. We can maneuver in between the cracks and crevices. And that's where I think some great stories are always available. It's why I think Identity Crisis is one of those stories that took what we all expected or thought to be a given and then put a specter of doubt in it and then cracked it wide open. It's also why I think Doomsday Clock has been so successful because it it has made this great leap in challenging just what else can happen. And remembering the canon that it's built on helps it keep true to all the things that made it so great. So knowing that that's his place of working from, 
really makes this other sort of, you know, understanding feel really important when it, it comes to mind that they make a point of suggesting here that there was a squid monster and not just a wave of energy. Yeah. And then that other things like Redford being president for 28 years, which just makes me chuckle. <laughs> mm-hmm. In addition to the idea of the Internet and cell phones having been outlawed. But I, I think the one that could be something interesting is what it means when fossil fuels are a thing of the past and how it is that energy that's not controlled through these forces we've come to so easily recognize on the market don't have the same kind of play. I, I don't know if it's going to be as important because clearly there's bigger things going on. But knowing that these are the, the ideas we can expect and that as far as he's concerned, this is being built on the canon of those first 12 issues. Well, Steve, I think that leaves uh, a lot of great possibility to still be explored and a great history to always refer back to. What did you take? You know what? I I just want to come over and hug you both right now because Mm. we are so on the same page. Everything you both said, the whole fact that this guy, yeah, I do. I love you both. It's it's fact. I'm not going to lie. I love you both. Um, The fact that he's saying that 12 issues canon, those words to me are magic and I want to hug him too because yes that should be the way it is because this is almost sacred text to comic book fans it it really is and he's said that he's building on it but totally respecting what came before one of the things that I find annoying unless it's really really well done is the way some comics writers just take the eraser and rub out what came before just to put their stamp on it. I'm much more a fan of writers like James Tynan, um, who looks back at the past and says, yeah, that was awesome. I want to remember that, but build on it, not rub it out, not delete it, not dilute it, but build on it. And what Damon Lindelof is doing with Watchmen is Treating with respect that it deserves, but then helping it to grow. And those ideas, a world without social media and the Internet, but a world also that isn't based on having to dig up oil and all the wars and drama that causes that Dr. Manhattan, while he um, is ultra powerful, is more than that. He can be a source of powering the world for the future. So many great ideas. And as for Redford as president, listen, anything's better than Trump. So I'm not even going to start <laughs> down that road again. So if they can make that happen in real life, sign me up. Right. So um, more TV news. And this, again, is great for X-Files fans and fans of, of some great character actors from TV with uh, Cara Buono and uh, Mitch Pelleggi f- from the X-Files, amongst many other things, announced to join Supergirl um, in the next season as members of the League of Ancients. And if you remember these characters from the comic books, this is quite exciting and something that I never thought I'd see on TV. So is this a crisis thing or is this something that's going to happen a bit more often? Brad, what did you make of this news? Um, 
I'm not familiar with those characters in the comic books, actually. So it'll be nice to kind of get to know them through the show. Uh, but I, I'm an X-Files fan, so I, I like seeing Mitch Pelleggi, uh in anything. You know, I always think of Skinner uh, when I see him, and it's glad to still see him see him making the rounds. So this should be uh, this should be a fun addition to the next season for sure. Seth, what do you think? I I'm Steve. You can't hear it because I'm trying to control my breathing but i am dancing around in my apartment right now hands up over my head i loved the golden perfect the obsidian age stories this this was a justice league possibility yeah, that i wanted to see more of and i keep waiting to reappear some way um these guys were terrifying there was something so primitive and violent about them something so we love to have this romanticized idea about the past and the thing about the justice league agents was when you saw just how their belief systems influenced what kind of people they were what kind of heroes they saw themselves to be there was a brutality that was so savage i mean and arrogant and there was something about it that I felt was a true threat to the Justice League. Clearly in the story, if you get a chance to pick up the, these books, I, I recommend just, Brad, if you get a moment, man, you, you're going to want to talk to us afterwards because the stuff they touched on conceptually mm-hmm. was phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> the idea of an alien who crashes to Earth and in, is raised by a very, um, uh, what's the word, um, very traditional uh, Jewish sect, and then also uh, a warrior who has to make these like blood sacrifices all the time to power this very impressive Mesoamerican armor. And then the two that they reference here were just, I mean, when they burst onto the scene, what I remember about Ramakan was that what he did to Wonder Woman was kind of earth shattering and how it affected the Justice League afterwards, but then also. The history that came later on with uh, Gamemne and man, she's a nasty piece of work. Just just nasty. Um, and I'm intrigued by these castings because I feel like, uh, yeah, Mitch Pileggi, you know, takes me all the way back to the Skinner days of X-Files. And then more recently, I saw him in like a, a more recent program where he was like a drug dealer guy meeting somebody in a park and i was like wow mitch pledge sticking with it buddy character after character just making them feel authentic and then when it comes to cara buono or cara buono i'm i'm not 100 on the pronunciation i thought she was great in stranger things i really enjoyed the fact that from seasons one to two and then in three we saw her character really develop become an interesting part of that show and really grow in a way that made her feel much more important than she had as sort of a relegated role maybe in the first two, maybe even just the first season. So seeing her play that cold, very malicious character of, uh, I hope I'm saying the name right, but uh, Gememne, um, I think I think we're really going to get ourselves a treat. And I'm curious how much of it they're really going to be able to bring to the screen because Man, when you see Ramakan really embrace this ability to control the four elements the way they do in the comics, it was it, it changes the shape of the entire world. <laughs> so to see him portrayed on television is something that 
I, I even if we just get hints of it that show the possibility down the road or if we get the full you know full banana split here I don't care but uh, I'm really excited at the possibility and I love that this is something Supergirl I feel has been doing every season pushing just what characters are making it into storylines and drawing from such a rich history and really when it comes to the League of Ancients there's you know not much more when it comes to deep history or rich history that you could uh, be drawing from right now. Steve, I know there's part of you just dancing around waiting for me to shut up so you can pile on because you have great things to add to it. Your wait is over, my friend. So I'm just catching my breath from my own dancing. <laughs> yes, everything you just said. I mean, Brad, imagine... God, how, how do I put this? A Justice League from about a thousand years before Christ, but with a dark side um to put it mildly because remember society was a, a heck of a lot different back then it was raw it was pure it was more in your face they they they, they pushed boundaries and uh like, like seth said really um left field characters to bring into a mainstream show like supergirl so i hope that they, they do it justice but they've got the right actors to do it these are two character actors who proven they can play every type of role uh, convey every kind of emotion so this news has got me really excited i mean um hopefully because um, these books i think pretty pretty hard to pick up but um, this show and this resurgence will hopefully get DC, are you listening, DC, to reprint those stories in trade paperback form or, or, or even uh, they, they might be on the DC Universe app. Obviously, as I don't have access to it, I don't really know. But um, yeah, I'm excited. This is crazy stuff. I can't believe we're going to be seeing those two on TV, but bring it on. I'm happy to see it. And on that, I think both Seth and I need to grab a little uh, towel and dry ourselves off and <laughs> sit down and relax and let our old and ancient aching muscles recover from the dancing. And while that happens, here are a couple of delicious ads to wet your taste buds. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now... The third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. Thanks for holding on. We are back. And now we're going to talk about 
the stuff yeah. that uh, led to all of it the comics the thing we love the most um not the best of news to start this uh, segment off with as dc have announced that they're cancelling the long-running cop of advertising that they are doing with comic stores around the u.s it's all coming to an end brad how do you feel about that i i just can't get my head around the reason of why they would do this what was the benefit of canceling this program it seems like it works out for everybody because you know we want to get people in the shops and if they do have this advertising where they can these local shops can advertise and get more noticed by the communities that they're in i think it's a good thing so i just don't get dc's rationale for for canceling it uh seth what do you think i also was looking through this story thinking to myself okay okay i missed something they're going to explain it right now nope Okay, okay, I missed something. There, there's, there's a, there's an explanation for why this wouldn't be a just a beneficial relationship both ways. Why, why doesn't this work? And I haven't seen the explanation yet. I haven't come across any, you know, reference that I can think of for why this would be a decision that would be important. And yet it seems to be happening. Steve, do you have any insider insight industry wide about what, what this, you know, what could be behind this? If there's something coming to replace it, because it seems like a win win, right? It's a great idea. Um, but again, I think it's one of those ideas that was fantastic on paper, but didn't end up working as well as either the comic book stores or DC themselves hoped because, um, uh, we all agree that right now we all think that DC's comic books are the strongest on the market. When it comes to the big two publishers, um, we've said it a thousand times, Marvel might be winning in the movie stakes, but comic books right now, DC are hands down well ahead of the game. Uh, virtually every title they're producing is great. But um, the way this worked in my understanding was that um, DC would allow the comic stores to uh, advertise locally using DC marketing materials and help the comic stores with some financial backing for that. But as all of us know, some businesses, be it comic book stores, be it whoever, put a lot more effort into their advertising and their branding than others. And where some stores were taking advantage of that and using it properly, the vast majority weren't. So what DC were doing was giving these people money and not getting the results or the advertising for their products. The downside of it is, though, and this is the, the, the part that frightens me slightly, is with all these late running books and cancellations and pushbacks, um, DC could do with having retailers helping them push their books and their products. And I'm just getting more and more concerned because every week the majority of our comics news seems to be more and more delays and issues with little to no explanation. And when you hear news like this, like you said, which should be win-win, it just causes concern and casts a shadow on an industry we all love. Um, I don't want to imagine a world without comic books but, um, yeah, I don't like this news at all. It, it really, really concerns me. Um, that's the way I see it, and that's the way these relationships tend to work, because they do have something similar with uh, comic stores and businesses worldwide, not just in the U.S. Um, does that 
colour or influence what, what your thoughts were on the story? Only in that it sounds like this is a practice that's trying to uh, root out bad actors, you know, recognizing yeah. when there are people that are taking advantage of the system that should be crediting those who are doing a great service with it. And maybe it's, I'm hoping, part of something that's going to lead to a, a new practice going forward, one that yeah. can recognize those who, you know, demonstrate what they're doing well and kind of eliminates the opportunity for these bad actors to ruin it for everybody else, as the old say goes. Brad, I feel like I was almost cutting you off there. Oh, no, I was just going to I was going to say that it, that's a little bit of a clarification for me. So um, I'm glad you had that that insight. So, yeah. yeah, Steve, I really think you informed a great deal more than this story did. Uh, it's a strong possibility that they should have reached out to you as a source before they went through with publishing this. They might have had, you know, yeah. a little bit it's, more to say or a little bit more uh, explanation than what feels like uh, a copy and paste press release. Yeah, that, that's the trouble. Sometimes these these news stories come out and they're taken and handled by writers who really should be a bit more delicate in the way they phrase things. Because um, obviously I, I'm quite fortunate that I've got a really good, healthy relationship with uh, many uh, comic book stores, both independent and, and those that are part of big chains. And I talk to these guys, they're my friends. I know them by name. They know me by name. And I respect and love what they do. And listen, even now, uh, I would be happy to work in a comic book store. I would love it. I might not even come home every night. So. Um, what you will see, though, is that some things will be put in place, like you said, Seth, to the to the guys who are who are playing the role properly. I mean, you've seen over the last couple of years midnight releases and uh, some comic book stores opening early to get books out. They do need permission to do that, and not all of them are doing it. Some comic book stores will still, and you guys probably know it. You might go to a comic book store that says they open at ten and they open at twelve because hey, the guy that works there or whatever just can't be bothered to get up early and open his store and there are other comic book stores that you walk in there and it's like walking into a paradise where the service is amazing every book's on time if anything does go wrong they will fix it in the blink of an eye and there are some businesses that treat um their their jobs their roles and comics with respect and there are others who are just in it for a fast buck and you know the ones that last and the ones that don't, the ones that fall by the wayside. And having friends who run and work in comic book stores, yeah, it's it's a bit of a blow. But yeah, it's a couple of rotten apples. And that's exactly what, what I feel has happened. And I'm sure that those comic book stores that do go the extra mile, both for their readers and for the, the, the comic book publishers, will have something to be put in place. We can but hope. And uh, on that news, Neil Adams, Batman versus Ra's al Ghul 2 and 3 are being pushed back and released later than initially advertised. And here comes the cavalcade of bad news. Brad, what do you make of this story? Oh, beating a dead horse. Um, I just wish that they would give us more of a reason as to why this is happening i i i'm sick of thinking the worst you know i wish they would have some clarification on these uh delays as to exactly why they're happening 
because they don't give me information, then I'm led to believe that there's something that they don't necessarily want the public to know. So I just hope that that's not the case. Seth, what do you think? I want this to be a situation where we recognize the challenge that's placed on someone like Neil Adams to both write and draw this book, that that can be, you know, a challenge. And maybe that's what got in the way. But this story does little else to explain what's going on, except to make the announcement that these are the dates that it's being pushed back to. And that's really it. And anything beyond that, I, I it's really hard to read into because we're in that place again. And I've mentioned it on enough occasions where, yeah, uh, there's no point in hitting a tired horse. It's just me. We don't know what's going on. And until we do, all we can do is hope and wonder and kind of maybe every once in a while ask again, could somebody tell us what's going on? We really wouldn't mind. Not at all. Steve? Yeah, I have to echo what you both said. And I'm going to um, say the same with with the next story about Joker, Harley Criminal Sanity 2 being pushed back a month as well. <sighs> We know these things happen, but they're happening far too frequently and even more frequently without any real explanation. And it's it's upsetting and it's not good news. So I'm going to skip over the Joker Harley criminal sanity um, and go to Birds of Prey being postponed till next year. But at least now we have a reason. And this to me seems like. Well, actually, a couple of really good reasons. They want the Birds of Prey comic to tie in more with the release of the movie. That makes sense. And because they're going to relaunch it as a black label book because they want to stick away from the PG teen um, certification and make it a more grown up, gritty crime action thriller of a comic book. Reasons. That's all we're asking for. Right, guys? We just want specific reasons why these books are being delayed. So I'm going to push past uh, Neil Adams I'm going to push past Joker Harley and talk about Birds of Prey because at least we have a reason and I think they're valid uh, Brad what would you make yeah exactly uh, it seems it makes perfect sense uh, why wouldn't they want it to coincide with the movie so yeah I agree I agree totally uh, good reason and I think we might be in for a better book than if they would have kept the original plan so yeah I think it makes perfect sense I think it's a good idea uh, Seth what do you think Finally, a pushback story I can get behind, and for all the reasons that have just been stated, we're recognizing the value of what it means to tie it in with the upcoming movie release, and taking advantage of the fact that instead of asking a writer to maybe tone down the value of the story that is apparently going to be very hard-hitting from uh, Mr. Azarello, that instead we say, no, we're actually going to respect the value of that story, take advantage of what we already have going on, which is great success in our black label line, and put together two great pieces to make a wonderful combination. I like peanut butter and chocolate. I like peanut butter and jelly. I am going to love Birds of Prey as a black label. That's my take. Steve? Exactly that. I like peanut butter and marmite, um, which you guys probably won't know what that is, but it's yummy. 
Um, yeah, exactly what you said. At least we're getting reasons and they're valid and they actually make anticipation for the book higher. Um, I don't really like censorship in any form. And like you said, to get a writer to tone down his stories, to get any artist to compromise on their artistic vision, I find a little bit offensive. I don't like it. So the fact that they have to push the book back only a few months, really, because 2020 is uh, a sneeze away because where the hell is 2019 gone? So I can live with that because it's for the right reasons. But when you get the stories of cancellation, delay, 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 more delay, don't order. We don't know when it's coming out. It's just ridiculous. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, do you guys remember back in the day when you used to collect the comic books and there was a delay on an issue when they just reprint some old stories for an issue or two until the writers and artists could get back on track or they got a fill-in artist to do an issue? Um, why is that not happening anymore? Is it bad planning is it that they don't have a backup plan anymore that they're so scheduled and become a business and no longer something that people love to do that they don't have any kind of emergency procedure i mean what's going on yeah i wish i knew i wish you remember reprint issues from back in the day yeah issues i you know i don't remember that uh oh it happened a lot in in the 70s and 80s you'd get a A, a period where um issue said uh we're representing this issue and when you talk to people in those it was yeah the the artist was late so they had to do a reprint but uh, they were really clever because sometimes they'd have a reprint that tied in with characters that were in that ongoing story or every now and then and that was worse was when you'd get an issue where you could see that an artist had been brought in to finish it all off and sometimes roughly but they still put the book out and i prefer a reprint or something that's in that's uh, relevant to the comic to not having a comic at all because you just lose interest. You lose that momentum that we keep talking about that, that Brad so brilliantly brought up that I would rather have an issue or two with three prints of relevant material than have to wait months and months and months and months without an issue of my favorite comic book. But, you know, I hey. don't remember the, uh, the reprints either. Um, it wasn't something that I, I remember as being as, as commonplace, but I do remember artists being brought in. And the other thing that I remember is that this created a deeper relationship with your comic book shop. Exactly. Because they were your they only you source why. of information. Yeah. There was no internet to hide from. There was no leak story to kind of try and obfuscate. There was the relationship between your shop who's saying, hey, guys. I'm used to selling this here. This is part of my, you know, monthly income. This is how I calculate it. Where's my books? And they got an answer from somebody. And whatever the answer was, even if it was a shine on sort of like, hey, well, this is what we're saying at the moment. He would give you as much insight or he or she, whoever was running your shop, would try and give you as much insight as was available. And I feel like even that's become a disconnect because – I I also have to wonder, guys, you know, is anyone aware of what might be going on as far as the labor market's concerned when it comes to titles, artists, creators and contracts? Is there some sort of contractual thing where you can't bring somebody in unless you remove somebody else completely, that if you fill somebody else in, it has to be put through some sort of like panel? Because I almost feel like there's like a procedural thing happening where these things are happening in such a way 
that there is no fail safe. There is no backup artist. There is, you know, yeah, you know, back back when albums were produced and you didn't always have the band guy who showed up on time, they'd bring in the studio guy. Session right? musician, exactly. Exactly right. that. So, Spot on. And yet I don't feel that that's something that's now allowed. It's almost as though there's been a change in the way the compensation has been broken down, where if that guy doesn't show up, if that person, if that artist, that writer isn't able to participate and the appropriate listing isn't available to fill in, there's no backup for that. There is no session musician. There is no built-in process for how to, as the saying goes, you know, get the show going because the show must go on. Instead, the show grinds to a halt while people try and figure out what to do with the system they they really can't work around. I, I really had to wonder just if anyone knew anything that might be happening on that end because that's the only other thing I could see where you can't bring in another worker because of whatever the stipulations of the contract are or something. Other than that, without any explanation, I'm guessing at wild stuff like this. Yeah, you you might be right because we've seen this through it's a company wide almost. It's not I know we've had we've talked a lot about the issues that Jeff Johns had with delays with Shazam. But beyond that, there's there's not any rhyme or reason to it. It seems like uh, it's a lot of different artists, a lot of different writers are being affected by these pushbacks. So maybe that is maybe that is why maybe it is a contract issue because that would make sense. But what makes it more heartbreaking is because I'm on social media and like I say, I, I speak and have great relationships with many people in, in comic book stores and comic book chains. But if you go on social media. Every single day, I guarantee you, you'll see a fairly well-known comic artist or inker or letterer saying, hey, guys, looking for work. This is my body of work. And these are guys with names who've worked for Marvel, DC and the independents saying, hey, give me some work, guys. Give me some work. And yet comics are being pushed back. And I know that some of these guys work or have worked for dc in the past i mean i know for a fact some of these guys still do work for dc so i can't get my head around why and even though i hate it i hate an artist coming in the middle of the story and breaking the flow i'm one of these people who's almost eidetic i can see when an artist has changed heck i can almost i can see when a colorist has changed in a book and i particularly find it annoying when it happens mid-story or when you have one issue that's drawn by multiple artists unless it's flashback scenes or something to break up the tone of the story. But I would much rather have that than not have my comic at all. And it's more heartbreaking when you see talent saying, Hey, hook me up. I'm doing some work or Hey, um, I've got some free time, uh, send some commissions my way. That's what's killing me. That's the part of the business that is really messing with my head. And, um, Guys, I just don't know what else to say. It's it's something that that, that brings me down weekly on this show and and as a comic book fan. But I'm not going to dwell on it. I want to end the show on a high. And what could be better news than TV legend? Sadly, one we don't see a lot of, if at all, in the UK. But Sven Gulli, the creepy the mysterious is meeting a bunch of heroes and villains from the DC universe as he's trying to escape from the chickens of 
doom. Guys, this has got to be a story that puts a smile on your face, right? Brad, what'd you make of it? <laughs> what could be better than a story about somebody trying to escape homicidal rubber chickens? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's gonna I be, love it. That's going to be gold. Um, it, it, these little um, crossovers, whatever you want to call it, they, they're that DC kind of does when they had like the Hanna-Barbera characters and things like that. They're really fun. They remind me a lot of cartoons that were popular when I was a kid, like Scooby-Doo meeting up with Batman, that kind of thing. So it's, it's maybe even a fun distraction from some of the darker storylines, because these are going to be like two page inserts in other comics. So it should be, it should be a good time. It should be fun, a fun read. Seth, what'd you think? I really think what we need is to follow this up with a great Harlem Globetrotters appearance because that would bring yeah. me right back to my Scooby. Oh, yes. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you said that, I was just like, guest appearances, Harlem Globetrotters, hoo And then at the end, they can play a game against the Washington Generals, which is really the Legion of Doom. Or I don't know. We can just have a grand old time with this. Um, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, just a little space bear jammy kind of twist thing going on to have some fun. Um I think I think the one thing that cracks me up about this is how little exposure I've had to Svengoolie. And yet as soon as I saw him, I recognized him. And I just thought to myself, I wonder what part of the whole zeitgeist he ended up being an image that I recognized. I just couldn't place until I was checking him out. And then I thought to myself, you know, he does feel like this reference to that great late night horror. Hey, this one wasn't that great, but we're watching it. Or this is a classic and we're watching it. But running away from homicidal chickens is, I think, a necessary endeavor just because you don't want to die at the hands of homicidal chickens. I don't want to die at all, but homicidal chickens just seems like, you know, I don't know, a pretty clucky way to go. But uh, I think overall, yep, ding. I think overall, I think, Brad, you really hit on something when you have the chance to enjoy a pop culture moment like this and have some fun. Maybe it's going to distract us from the fact that we're still a little bit annoyed at you guys for the books that aren't coming out. But if we're going to end on a high note, this seems like a really kitschy way to do it. And, And I love the feel of just, hey, we're dropping this into your reality. Play with it. Go ahead. Just play. Steve? What's your thoughts, my friend? Absolutely. I mean, the fact that that you've got little um, experiences, Fenguli, sympathise for us poor friends and cousins over the ocean who don't get this stuff at all. And I, I recognise him from things I've seen on the internet, off what I've seen uh, friends and relatives from a, a, across the pond tell me. And, and apparently, he's a bit of a, a phenomenon. I mean, going since the seventies, that's huge. He's like. Um, a male Elvira without the cleavage. I mean, he sounds like he's some kind of TV legend and that just excites me. And any kind of quirky, clever, funny, wacky crossover, like Brad said, with the, with the Warner brothers characters and the Looney Tunes and the Hanna-Barbera, it's just cool. I love that stuff. So the fact that we're going to see a couple of pages with him interacting with the late uh, greats and uh, naughty people from the DC universe um, thrown out throughout several books over the following months is just cool. And with Halloween around the corner, what could be more perfect? Listen, that's the kind of news I want to be talking about 
on this show every week rather than stuff that upsets us and makes us sad because we're happy people we're shiny happy people rem wrote that song about us because that's just the way we are so guys um thank you for another brilliant brilliant conversation and uh I hope you enjoy the rest of your Batman Day celebrations. Mine are going to involve a duvet and cuddling a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. So let's talk about where we can see and experience your work across the world wide web. Brad, where can our readers and listeners find you, my friend? Well, you can find me on Twitter, FlickyB1. And you can find me writing news and reviews on DC Comics News, the usual places. And Seth, where can we find you? You can find me here on a semi-regular basis, hanging out with this fine group on the DC Comics News podcast. You can also catch me hosting the Spinner Rack, where I defend my choices for the top five picks I believe uh, rank out from DC Comics each and every week. You can find some reviews and every once in a while a news story from me on DC Comics News. And then, you know, if you're looking for other places, just type in my name, Seth Singleton, the word story, and send me a message wherever you find me. And then we'll have a great conversation. Steve, where can the good people find you, my friend? Of course, on DC Comics News, where I review multiple TV shows and comic books. And on our sister site, Dark Knight News, where I'm editor-in-chief and I also write lots of reviews, news stories and interviews with uh, the cast of shows like Gotham, Arrowverse um, and many, many others, as well as many of the most well-known writers and artists that illuminate our favourite media, the comic books themselves. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at Steve, which is E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O, or type Steve J. Ray into the search engine of choice to get links to all the wonderful places I've mentioned and to Fantastic Universes, the site I own and run with my son and a few friends. But also, of course, here on the DC Comics News podcast with these wonderful folk. And we're soon launching our third show coming next week, which is a week by week episode breakdown and conversation about episodes of the fantastic Batman, the animated series. That's a new show called I Am The Night, which is coming very soon to podcast platforms near you here here yes indeed three shows now we're growing we're going to be taking over the world like dr evil and starbucks you watch us you can't stop us and you can catch all our shows on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher google play and you can catch dc comics news and dark knight news across social media facebook youtube twitter tumblr at DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, capital N for news. And of course, our sister site, the more Batman friendly. Happy Batman Day, folks. Uh, Dark Knight News at DKNews.com. So that's it from us for another week. Thanks for joining us. I hope we didn't uh, rain on your parade too badly with all the horrible news, but we made you smile with glee at all the wonderful happening news across the DC universe. And we'll see you all in a week. And when we do, we'll be happy to hear any comments that you have on any of our shows. But before then, everyone out there needs to do one thing. And what is that, guys? Read 
more comics. Catch you in seven, folks. Take care.